Hello, and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance, the spirit of business. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. I'm a business and leadership coach, and this podcast is dedicated to topics that foster an optimized mindset and spiritual leadership, because it's all about increasing our consciousness, shining brightly, and boldly making a difference. In today's episode, we're talking all about taking a stand for entrepreneur self-care. This topic is near and dear to my heart. It is something that I have personally struggled with in the past and gone through lots of iterations and navigated it. So I really wanted to share some thoughts on this so we can really change the story for good when it comes to self-care being selfish. I really want to bust through any guilt or any shame story that we have laced when it comes to prioritizing ourselves, our health, and our well-being. So here we go. So first off, why do we contribute to a culture that celebrates pushing ourselves past our limits? Burnout symptoms like apathy, autopilot, and emotional exhaustion seem normal. We often squeeze ourselves and our team until we have nothing left to give. And then the weird thing is, is we wake up and we do it all over again. To me, it's ridiculous, and I am so committed to changing it one client at a time, starting with myself, client zero. Now, unfortunately, it's common company culture to reward this hyper-productivity despite unrealistic expectations, Even as entrepreneurs, where we have the power to control our schedule, we have the power to orchestrate a new ethos, it can be really challenging to shift. And with any change, especially as leaders, we have to be bold enough to go first. Now, here's the thing. This is not a cakewalk. And so we should expect a few waves because not everyone is going to be on board when you start implementing boundaries and saying no, and that is going to be okay. It is absolutely okay. It's a part of the process, and it is not if we're going to experience some waves, but when and how we're going to deal with them that really, really matters. So If you followed my work at all, you know that I'm passionate about business without burnout. And honestly, it's because I spent a good part of my early entrepreneurial journey fried, and it wasn't fun at all. In fact, I bought into hard work was honest work, and that when you've emptied your tank for everyone else around you, it meant that you were kind and good. Yikes. I mean, can you relate to this? I think you can because I know that a lot of the listeners are caregivers, they're aromatherapists, they're healers. And so I know that we get into this pattern of um, emptying our cup in a way that that is spiritual service. And there is a balance. I mean, of course, there is so much beauty in uh, heart work, right? And, And in serving one another. But We also have to remember ourself in that process. So the thing is that once a pattern is in place, that it's just human nature to keep going down that road, even if it's not in our best interest, because it's what we know and it's what we've always done. So despite an adrenal 
fatigue diagnosis that I got years ago, I kept going. I kept pushing through, doing one more thing, committing to one more project. And the interesting thing is it does not matter how much knowledge that you have on a subject because I spent years learning one holistic modality after another. And when that information just stays in your head, you're not going to get the benefits. So for me, it took a very clear choice point, that fork in the road, before I focused on reconditioning my mindset. And then I started to experience and enjoy alternatives to the grind lifestyle. I think so many of us are in this push and grind lifestyle as entrepreneurs, as solopreneurs, that all of those feelings and those burnout symptoms I talked about, they become very normal feeling. That anxiousness, those like butterflies in our stomach, that feeling like you're always behind the eight ball or that your nervous system is just on overdrive, that grind lifestyle and those feelings end up really just becoming a part of our normal process. So it's difficult sometimes to step back and realize that there could even be alternatives to that because you're so in it. One of the things I just want to pause here and say that you are not the problem. You are not a problem. You are not weak if you can't fit it all in. Because I think this is something that we also tell ourselves. We fall into that superwoman syndrome. We expect an inbox zero. We expect that our to-do list is going to be neat and tidy and pristine, especially when we're used to seeing those beautiful Instagram posts with the gold, you know, rose gold pen and cute little journal and little tidy check marks next to the things that we want to do. And I love lists just as much as the next female entrepreneur, but there really comes a time that we have to bust through this concept that if we don't rise to the occasion, that we're broken and not giving it our all because this is far from the truth. That is actually a big fat lie. And I don't want you to fall into the guilt and the shame trap when it comes to prioritizing your health and self-care. So here are four steps to writing your new self-care story, because to me, that's really what it's going to take. It is so far beyond just reading a self-help book or watching a personal development you know, clip and then going along your way. It, the trap there is that we get this mental release. We can self-identify, and that's really helpful, but These steps will help you actually shift and then truly experience your own results versus listening about what someone else has done. So step one in anything is awareness. Being conscious that life isn't feeling as awesome as it could. And I think that that's really an important distinction is it doesn't have to get to the point of burnout where you have dark circles under your eyes down to your chin and you are, you know, feeling like a wet washcloth and you're exhausted when you wake up and other, you know, health conditions are going out of whack, whether it's your thyroid or something else. Like, yes, those are 
um, kind of key indicators that, crap, you just crossed the line. But also, and this is the beauty about mindfulness, consciousness, and optimizing, I just want to say again, like the awareness piece of being conscious that life isn't feeling as awesome as it could, could also just be um, less on that scale of drama and trauma and more just like maybe a little lifeless or maybe just not as zippy, maybe not as spunky or enthusiastic or in love with your business, your offer and your clients. So I just, I really wanted to pause here on the awareness piece because often, and I think this is part of our programming and part of this paradigm of like, what constitutes um, an issue? What constitutes a challenge? You know, and I think we have a tendency to compare our situations to other people's situations and we're looking at their struggle, you know, and maybe their struggle is, oh my goodness, like they're doing elder care or they have a handicapped child or they just had an operation or a surgery, right? And then then we look back at our situation, we're like, oh my gosh, like I'm just going through X, Y, Z and it kind of pales in comparison to this giant thing that other people around me are struggling with. And I think that that's another piece when we really honor self-care. Everybody's journey is individual. And I remember taking um, an advanced clinical aromatherapy class years ago. And one of the things that the instructor said, it was um, Rhiannon Lewis. And one of the things Rhiannon had said was um, pain is what the client says, what the patient says, at the degree they say that it is. And that was like so mind-blowing to me, even though it's it's so simple. I always hung on to that because we are not in that person's body. We're not in, in their emotional self. And so we don't have a clue what that pain experience is for that person, just like we don't have a clue what the struggle experience is for somebody So in this step one, when you're thinking about awareness and being conscious that life isn't feeling as awesome as it could, it doesn't mean it's got to be like cloak and dagger bad before you then go to step two. And step two is change. Having the moxie and the fortitude to choose again. And I love this because freedom and choice are two of my values in my life. And so when I think of change, I love to think of it in the perspective of um, choice because we have a choice. We have a choice to stay stuck. We have a choice to say, this is what I've always done and this is what I know, or we have a choice to learn and to change. And it absolutely takes moxie and it takes guts and it also takes a level of autonomy especially if you're in a family environment or if you're in a relationship that's maybe not like as supportive or on the same page as where you want to move towards. It takes an empowered stand for us to say, you know what? Like, yep, it's time to change. I know my life can be better. I can feel better. And I'm going to put those steps into place so I can start this momentum. So after awareness, after change, comes habits, and creating rituals and boundaries to support our whole self, this is what's going to serve us. And exercising the follow-through 
If I had a highlighter that could pop through this podcast, I would be highlighting this, exercising the follow-through to execute every day. And it's an each and every day process. It's not once a week. It's not once a month for your girl's day. You know, it's not when you can get the babysitter for those couple of hours. Um, It is truly having your self-care rituals baked into your day each and every day, even if it's a five-minute breathing exercise, even if it is a 15-minute bubble bath, if you have uh, the availability to have private time in the bathroom. You know, truly, it does not have to be this lengthy thing, and I'm not talking about a three-hour morning routine. This really can be simple things that you build in, but it is creating those rituals and these boundaries that are actually going to start to compound so you can see some true um, results. And again, momentum. Let's cultivate this momentum. So after we have the awareness, we have the moxie to change, we've created those rituals and they've started to become habits. Step four is really about celebrating. And I, I feel all too often, again, especially as women, we forget to celebrate We just move on to the next thing on our list. Uh, And many times that's laced with guilt because we think we should have done it quicker, better, you know, and this is a huge piece because, again, science says that we repeat what is rewarded, which means we have that capability as the CEOs of our company to bake in celebration and to honor our individual process and timeline and unique journey. And also the big thing, which is something that that I have in my daily morning routine, is a gratitude practice. So how do we look at this whole new self-care story through the lens of gratitude, through the lens of I get to do this versus I've got to do this? How do we lean into people, places, and things that expand us and make us feel good versus contract us and make us feel stressed, annoyed, like we have a brick on our forehead of suppression. Like, you know what those things are, but somehow, and myself included, right? Like, this is a process. Any of this stuff that I teach, especially when it comes to burnout, I am right there with you, walking by your side, trying to be better the next day. That's why I'm a fan of the Kaizen philosophy, which you've heard me say over and over again, which is the never-ending improvement. How can I be better today than I was yesterday? So this is truly a practice. Some days we're gonna rock it, and other days we're not. And the cool thing is that this is a wash, rinse, and repeat situation. Awareness, change. Habits celebrate. This is your new self-care story that you can rewrite every single day. The main thing is just to be aware of it and to be committed to it. And, you know, a lot of this stuff, like, you know, I've been doing personal development for decades, and I think it's all too easy to just read the book, listen to the audio, um, audible on it, and, you know, it's like, oh, that sounds good. And then we just kind of go back into our routine. And it's very, very common 
because there's grooves, right? There are deep grooves of this pattern, and we tend to go into the path of least resistance. It's what we know. There's a comfort zone there, and we don't necessarily have to step out of that comfort zone and get pinched. However, to give you some context to this above process, awareness, change, habits, and celebrating, I'll share a personal situation as an example. So not too long ago, I began noticing signs that I was becoming out of balance, and I just, I didn't feel as joyful as I wanted. It wasn't horrible. I just was like, eh, I don't really have that spark, right? So I knew things like excessively checking my email were zapping my precious energy. In fact, when I really got honest with myself, I realized that from morning to night, between my desktop at work, my cell phone, and my laptop at home, I was probably going into Gmail about 100 times a day. And that sounds absolutely ridiculous. And if you were really honest with yourself, I bet that you're not that far off because it becomes so ingrained. And I think, you know, as as a coach or a consultant or even a freelancer, you know, we're used to needing to be on alert and serve and answer questions. And so I really got into this um, notification, stimulus, alert, response, that whole circle, which was really draining. And I didn't quite, you know, I didn't quite know it. I know that sounds kind of naive, but I actually had to have my coach pointed out to me. And I was like, thinking again, you know, we think these things are normal. Like, well, it's my job. I want to serve. You know, it's my job. I want to have a quick turnaround, right? And you can still, here's the flip. You can still serve. You can still have high intention. You can still have a quick turnaround and not be a slave to your inbox and not let your inbox become your to-do list day in and day out. So to start changing these patterns of overworking, really, and actually overstimulus and over inputs, I added what's called bright lines. And so bright lines, if that's new terminology for you, it's basically just another word for clear goals or guidelines, but they're very predictable. So they're these clear guidelines. They're um, unambiguous. They're not great. It can't be like, oh, I kind of sort of, I'm going to do that. And one of the things that I think about is like when I became vegetarian when I was 16, I never turned turned back. I never was like, oh, geez, I really think I'll have a bite of that hamburger. It was like, no, I made that commitment for spiritual reasons and I never turned back. That's an unambiguous bright line and I never think about it. I don't crave something or pass an aisle that think, oh man, I'm missing out on something. So that's another example of a bright line. So it's basically just these predictable, clear guidelines that we commit to not crossing. The interesting thing is when you have a bright line in place, it is so much easier than to go 90% of the way, than to go 95% of the way, right? Because that extra 5% beats us up every time and it tests our willpower every time. And in that little extra 5% of being able to just have it be this case-closed black and white thing, um, it can absolutely give us some temptation and have us falling back into those longer standing patterns and habits. So this is so effective, no matter if you are trying to lose weight and you want to eliminate sugar, um, 
it's so much easier versus to say, oh, I'm going to have less sugar today, or I'm going to have less sugar this month versus I don't eat sugar, you know, or I'm not eating sugar for a 21-day detox. So you can see the difference when something is ambiguous and something is unambiguous. There is just no room for your mind to play little tricks on you and rationalize things. All right, so here's what I put into place for my bright lines. They are, one, only checking email at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This was huge for me. I had some anxiety over it. I actually even went as far to delete the Gmail app on my phone to eliminate that distraction, right? We exercise our willpower once, hit it hard and strong, and now that distraction's not there because I don't have the app on my phone. And this one's very interesting because there was some of those old stories of like, what are my clients going to think? You know, are um, are they going to feel served as much or at the higher level? But I actually got so many um, replies from colleagues especially, but from when they would receive my autoresponder, because I would put, I put an autoresponder on, it's still on, I have it on 24-7, um, really just explaining that my passion is to have the work-life balance, and in that, I only check email at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. Their call's super, you know, important to me, or their their message is super important to me, and if it's an urgent matter and they're a client, that they can absolutely vox me. And so it's short, sweet, simple, on all the time, so I don't have to think about it. I don't have to vacillate over it. I don't have a guilt trip over it. It's like, this is a self-care practice. It's in place. I don't foresee myself removing it um, because I feel better. And like I said, I got a lot of positive comments from colleagues and associates that were like, I love this. I actually even had a couple people were like, is this true? Or are you just like trying to like, you know, manage expectations? So there was some disbelief coming back of like, really? Oh my gosh. So, but in general, I got an, a really great feedback. And the most important thing is we're doing it so we feel better, right? This stuff isn't for show. This stuff is to truly get balanced, feel grounded, and have our own results. So the thing that we created, our business actually is fun and it serves us and we don't feel like we're a slave to the things that we put in place. Huge. All right, number two is closing the workday at 4 p.m. So I start my workday at 8. Um, I have not gotten to the point yet where I can do a four-hour work week like Tim Ferriss uh, promotes. Maybe one day, I like my work, so it doesn't really feel like a struggle. I love structure. So my work day starts at eight. I take a two-hour lunch and get into meditation at noon, and I end at four. But I wasn't ending at four. And even if I was pushing it to 4.45, sometimes I'd be pushing it to 6.30. Let me just squeeze in one more thing. I absolutely noticed a huge difference. I would be grumbly, tired, I would make poor food choices for dinner. I would cut my exercise short or not do it at all because my mind told me I was too exhausted. So that one bright line is actually going to have a multitude of positive ripple effects after it. So that's kind of a power one for me. And the third one is taking a walk at the end of the day to really move my body, to release some of the inputs that came in all day long, and to relax my mind, whether it is to 
plug into a beautiful Audible, or maybe I need energy and I'm pumping in some pump-up music from Pandora, or sometimes I will even just have absolute silence and I will just play a game of what can I observe in nature and listen to my breath and listen to the babbling brook or the birds, and that's a really beautiful meditation practice in its own right. So those are three bright lines that I put in. And you can see like they're so simple, right? They're not easy to to commit to and to stay with, but they are simple and they contribute to a powerful self-care system. So honestly, I have more energy, clarity, and a greater sense of peace with these three things in place every single day. So my friend, what is going to work for you? What can you commit to today to change your story? And how can you honor your core needs? It would be maybe a morning meditation for you or an afternoon nap. Or maybe it's a digital sunset where you commit to closing your electronics down and your cell phone um, at a certain time in the evening so you're not exposed to blue light before bed. So much science behind that. And we know that sleep is a massive lever, lever to pull if we are struggling with energy, productivity, mental clarity. So that's a big one, right? Maybe you pick that as your number one bright line and get it dialed in before you pile on more. So I'm a fan of James Clear and Atomic Habits, and he really talks about mastering the micro habit first. And when that feels super clean, clear, and easy, you can then habit stack and start augmenting to those habits that are so dialed in and so in place. So just like we don't want to have a to-do list with 30 items on it, right? We don't want to take a massive bite of food because what's going to happen? We're going to choke. It's the same with any of these bright lines. Implement them in a slow manner so they can really become a part of your flow, your lifestyle. They can really become just your normal And then you can tweak and optimize. That's the beauty of it. So for change to be sustainable, we must respect our unique idiosyncrasies because we are all different, right? There is no one right way. There is no blueprint to follow. You are the creator of your ideal life. To me, that's very exciting. So the main thing is to shift your mindset when it comes to self-care and expect that you're going to maybe get a little resistance, even from yourself, even when you have this deep desire to be balanced. So when that little voice whispers, self-care is selfish, I want you to have a new script in place to flip the narrative. Embrace and focus on thoughts that make you feel better, right? And if it sounds too good to be true, it is most likely because you have just read all the things. You must take action and do the work to experience results. So it starts with what you tell yourself, and it continues with inspiring others when they see you implementing your rituals. So believe me, you and everyone else around you is going to notice the difference. So we know that we lead and serve better when we are balanced and fulfilled. So I want you to include these acts that contribute to your well-being daily to create new life-giving patterns, right? Not those funky, 
you know, deep groove burnout patterns, but we're going to flip the script. We're going to change the story to create and bake in these well-being, life-giving patterns. So let's create the shift together towards physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and financial health. We are in this together, my friend. Until next week, breathe joy. Thank you for listening. If you like today's podcast, please give it a rating and a review on your favorite pod player. And to continue the conversation, head over to my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group where big-hearted lightworkers just like you come together and connect. Enjoy!